Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down. Road. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end that I'm not calling the shots on all of that all at once. Plus local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp Racing Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services. Here are Zach Heiser and Rich. France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. A lot going on, two great interviews coming up tonight, and uh, even some special guests that you weren't expecting. All those things coming up and so much more, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR Cup Series at Auto Club Speedway, the final time for this configuration on the uh, Michigan lookalike. And Kyle Busch, it only took four starts with RCR, and he went to victory lane. It was the second points, the paying race for KB, and uh, Rowdy's got it going on right now in that number eight car. Meanwhile, in the Xfinity Series, John Hunter Nemechek held off San, Sam Mayer for the Xfinity Series win, but Sheldon Creed stole the show after he got together with one of the JR Motorsports, the Junior Motorsports cars on the back straightaway. That car was dead to rights, headed to the inside wall. Somehow, I don't know if it was driving ability or luck, he got that thing turned around, barely kissed the inside wall with the tail of the car, and uh, was able to continue. And finally, Pennsylvania's Lincoln Speedway kicked off the season with a two-day icebreaker weekend. Freddie Raymer took the honors on Thursday night before Justin Peck scored the win on Sunday afternoon. Those things and so much more happening tonight. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from way across the way tonight. Good evening, sir. How is it going, Zach? Uh, my understanding is it's much warmer and drier where you are than where I am. Uh, I don't know what it's like where you're at, but I know it was 80 and sunny today. So, Man. And you've it, already it, got a nice complexion going on, too. Yeah, not bad. I got eight more days of this. <laughs> down in sunny Florida, uh, you join about uh, half a dozen of our Michigan guys that are down in Florida running either IMCA Modifieds or Street Stocks. More on that coming up later on in the show. But, uh, man, appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your uh, vacation to uh, still kind of do a little bit of your Horsepower Happenings commitment. Yep, and did you did – you introduce my fill-in for tonight I, 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 you didn't do that yet i haven't i figured I'd, i would give you the the honors of uh of of, of recognizing the guy who's going to let you go have a couple of uh, martinis well absolutely then i'll tell you um it, it's great to have him on first time guest hosting co-hosting uh horsepower happenings great to have him on he is going to be the co-voice of the owasso speedway in 2023 chris phobie man thanks for covering my tail tonight bud 
no problem. I figure uh, if I can show up and do a worse job than you, then your job's secure. So <laughs> I'm trying to do you a favor. Yeah, see, Rich was looking for a way out, and Chris says, no, no, I don't want to get roped into this thing full time. I heard what Rich makes. Uh, so I, what okay. I figured we would do, because I want you to be able to enjoy your vacation, is uh, we had an outstanding response this week to uh, this month's Gary Did You Know? Yeah, we sure did, and and let's let's get into it. You want to get right into it, please? I, I figured I, and the I, I figured I'd let you do that, and then we'll get you out of here. You go enjoy uh, an umbrella drink, and Chris and I will handle the rest of the details. Absolutely, sounds good to me. So let's do this, Gary. Did you know quiz twenty three? Um, question number one from Gary last week: Who is the Ohio traveler? I think it'd be fun to put Chris Phoebe on the spot a little bit. He's he's quite the historian himself. See if he knows any of these questions. You now, must have forgot that you already sent me the answer. Ah, that's right. As I finished saying that, I saw your little—I uh, saw that you were on the same document as me. Never mind. You have all the would answers you, in front of you. Would you have known that, Chris? Uh, can I say yes if I already know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a no. Well, multiple other people had this one right, right, and uh, they got it correct. And it was Rick Ferkel. Rick Ferkel was the Ohio traveler. All right. Let's move into question number two. Gary said. You could say this driver is scruffy. I was out to lunch. I, let me just help you out, Rich. I was out to lunch on this entire quiz, so don't look look don't look well, my we, way. Well, we were when Gary gave them to us. Yeah, last week. But uh, Bobby Allen, other other people had this one right too. So I, everybody, I think, was feeling pretty good about themselves after this one. Bobby Allen was also known as scruffy. All right, here's the here's one that everybody was pretty sure on as well. Who was the Black Knight? You know, this was actually the only one that I knew. You want to give the answer, Chris? Uh, here's the thing. That that happened before my time, so I am not confident on my pronunciation. On the last name? <laughs> this one. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Don't look at me, oh, Rich. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, then, then I'll throw it out because I didn't know who it was. I'm going to say John Bogeman. That's, John Bogeman, Johnny Bogeman. Yeah. Uh, so we had a couple of people get three right. So now is the question. This comes down to how much this is going to cost me <laughs> in horsepower <laughs> happenings prizes. That's right. So question number four. This Michigan late this Michigan late model driver was known as Mister Excitement. We had multiple guesses of the same driver and it was incorrect because they probably didn't read the question right but the answer gary's answer was rick manning rick manning and a lot of guys guessed terry cook but terry cook is from toledo so that if if you answered terry cook terry cook really isn't a michigan driver he is from toledo ohio so I saved everybody saved me this week. <laughs> I am not offering up anything. Nobody got all four right. I tell you what, we, we had, had three out of four is still pretty is pretty good. We had a lot of people uh, take a swing at this one this week, and also, uh, so Gary said, if you missed this last week, and Chris, I hope this perks your attention as well. Uh, next month in March, it's going to be a two year recap for the quiz for Gary. Did you know? Um, so it'll be all it'll, four questions, but they'll all be from a previous quiz somewhere over the last two years. 
So probably should have done a better job taking notes. <laughs> That's what I told Gary. I said, man, I hope I studied for this quiz because uh, I should be able to get these because I see the answers every month. But I don't know. What do you – I mean, Rich, he's had some tough quizzes in the last two years. Well, I told him, I said, it better be questions that nobody answered right the first time. That's right. That, that's what I told him. I don't I don't want a bunch of questions that, that everybody answered and you just kind of laying it out there. Pick the questions that people had a tough time with. And, and Gary knows, he, you know, he listens. We tell him all the time which ones everybody had a tough, tough time with and which ones they've gotten. So we're leaving it up to Gary. It's, it's his deal. We're going to, we're going to see what it is for the month of March. He's got me scared. He does. (laughs) Maybe by the time the March, uh, maybe I'm going to teaser teaser. Maybe by the time the March quiz rolls around horsepower happenings might have some things that we'd be willing to give away that won't hurt your pocketbook. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paying for them either way. Either way you're paying. That's right. That's that's right. It doesn't matter. Hey, man. uh, No, we want to give out some stuff. That's what we want to do. That's the whole idea of this. You know, absolutely. Appreciate you, uh, first of all, for everything you do. Much deserved two week vacation. So uh, I tell you what, get out of here, go and dry, go enjoy a, a, an adult beverage for Chris and I, because we got work to do tonight. All right. All right, you guys have fun, Chris. Thanks for filling in for me. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me fill in. All right, Rich man. We'll see you. See you guys. Have fun tonight. All right, we're going to keep right on rolling uh, because we do have some stuff to do tonight. we got a lot going on. Uh, this also in the teaser department tonight in the program had a great conversation over the weekend with uh, Home Pro Racing owner uh, Shannon Eifert, and he tells me that we will know who the full-time driver for uh, that, that ride, uh, one of the full-time drivers, is going to be. We should know that by tomorrow. So keep an eye on Horsepower Happening social media. Keep an eye on HorsepowerHappenings.com uh, because this is big. I mean, this is a great team. They've got great equipment. They've got a lot of resources, and they really want to go after a lot of wins this season. We saw uh, Cole Macedo in this car down at East Bay for the three – well, and also for the Tezos All-Stars uh, down there at East Bay. Uh, picked up a win in the 360, Kenny the 360s at East Bay. This is great equipment, and uh, so Shannon tells me we should know tomorrow who that full-time driver is going to be, and uh, so we'll be looking forward to that information when it comes out sometime tomorrow. Uh, as Rich mentioned, Chris Phobia is here, the uh, co-voice of Owasso Speedway. Chris, uh, for, for you, I want to welcome you in. What a big weekend for you and your, your coworkers and your kind of family at Owasso Speedway. So much going on over the weekend. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Uh, We invaded the Sideline Sports Bar in uh, beautiful Owasso, Michigan. And we uh, did our annual registration party. And uh, we had uh, Justin from um, Michigan. Well, he's a sponsor on the show, and I can't think of the name of the business. Let me help you out with it. Let me save. Let me help you save me some grief down the road. MI Service Solutions. (laughs) Yes, there we go. And he was there uh, giving us kind of a a crash course on some my race pass stuff um, as far as things we can do to help streamline our opening night that'll be coming up at the end of April and also had a really cool display there. I got to see the light siever in action for the first time. I want to ask you so, about that a little bit later on in the show. So don't give me, don't give away too much. Uh, but I do want to ask you about that coming up. Well, we were able to get over 130 drivers registered uh, wow. on Saturday. And for those of you that have been to the sideline, it used to be Capitol Bowl where the 
uh, MSTRC bowling tournament was for a long time. Those that have been there um, know what the layout's kind of like. It hasn't really changed much over the years. And we had a line almost out the door. Uh, the event was supposed to start at 1 o'clock, um, and we had drivers wrapped around the bar oh before 1 o'clock. And wow. it was just an amazing turnout. I uh, believe they sold out on pit slabs already, and they're they're already working on stacking them for nights when divisions are off to get people in on those off nights. It's just a, a amazing turnout. There's so much positive buzz about the Owasso Speedway going on, and and I'm really happy to be at the ground floor. Uh, got a chance to fellowship a little bit with my new co-announcer Roger Williams. Did you get a, he, Did you get a word in edgewise? I did. We had a we had a pretty good conversation. Uh, Roger was nice enough to pick up my bar tab, but lucky for him, I'm a cheap date. <laughs> and uh, it was a you know great time because you know as an announcer, Zach, sometimes you get put on the mic with people and you have no idea how it's going to go until the first words are thrown out there. Yep. Yep. So uh, having a chance to kind of get to talk with talking with Roger and and uh, we hit some hard hitting things like Simpsons quotes and. And I uh, had a deep discussion on the Animaniacs. So we're, uh, nice. I think we're in pretty good shape for opening night. That's great. Now, I want to point out something. 130 pre-registered car uh, drivers. Uh, by the way, let me put that in perspective. A lot of racetracks in our area, extremely happy with a night where 80 to 90 cars are on the property. Um, and this is 130 pre-registered. Will everybody show up uh, all on the same night throughout the season? Eh, hard to say. But what is going to happen, Chris, is you're going to have additional drivers show up throughout the season. So this is a really positive preseason outlook, uh, really kind of backing all of the hype that has been happening over the last three, four months. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the biggest thing is that we see over and over again all the buzz online. But to be there in person and to see that huge line of drivers getting ready to register and buy their slabs and all that other preseason stuff. I mean, seeing it in person is something else. You know, you people can say online all they want that, hey, this is cool, this is great. But seeing it in action like that is absolutely just mind-blowing. And you ended up with a pretty cool, uh, uh, I don't know, piece of equipment, piece of history, knowledge. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so I did a, a story a few weeks back on Super Dave Kennedy, who is a just he is a wasso speedway mm. i mean there is i put a post up on facebook asking people to you know give us our their feelings on super dave and universally the guy is just to know him is to love him heart of gold and the biggest thing in in his life is a wasso speedway mm. he loves the place literally he told me his parents actually met at a wasso speedway <laughs> so if wow. not for a wasso speedway there would be no super dave and, uh, you know, he's a multi-generational race fan there. His parents, his uncle uh, would take him there growing up. And and Dave inherited this uh, slew of Owasso Speedway history. And I've heard about it for years since I worked at Owasso the first time, which was, you know, 10, 12 years ago at this point. And there was always this legend of Dave's book. You got to see Super Dave's book. Super Dave has the book on Owasso Speedway. And in talking to Dave doing this story, he said, hey, would you like to borrow the book? Huh. And I can't repeat exactly how I phrased it on the air here. Right, but I right. Said, <laughs> Absolutely. I want that. 
and and uh i'm i ran out to the car to throw some stuff in and as i'm walking in i hear somebody yell hey phoby over here and i look and it's dave and he goes hey do you want the book now and hello absolutely you know i i didn't didn't give it a second thought i went over there and he he hands it to me and this might be a slight exaggeration but i swear the thing was glowing there were doves flying out of the bag <laughs> uh, i heard a chorus uh, and just getting my hands on this was amazing it's actually sitting here with me as i do the show um, i had it sitting in the front seat of my car with the seat belt on for the drive home and i mean this thing is absolutely beautiful it's it's a little beat up from uh dave said from some someone he let borrow it in the past wasn't as as uh precious with it as i plan on being but mm. it's beautiful it's uh it was a nice bound book uh he said sue woolworth uh the wife of michigan motorsports hall of famer jay woolworth uh helped him or put it helped get the book put together for him uh it's got beautiful lettering on the front says dave kennedy and i cannot thank super dave enough for trusting me with this artifact um i've I've been so in awe of just possessing it. I haven't even been able to crack it open since I got it That's home awesome. on Saturday. That's fantastic. Hey, man, cool stuff. Uh, glad to hear how good things went on Saturday. And uh, I got to tell you, I've never been to Owasso. I've said that a couple of times in the show. That changes in 2023 for sure, and I'm looking forward to uh, stepping over there and seeing what's going on. We got to move on, uh, continue our show here. Big show coming up, and actually another show going on right alongside the recording of this one. A few regional drivers are in action down in North Florida, despite the traditional speed weeks coming to an end. Chase Roseborough of West Branch and Colin Thurlby of Traverse City are both competing tonight. Uh, Monday at Northwest Florida Speedway as part of the clash on the coast. Now they join Ionia's A.J. Ward, who is also in Florida. He's been down there for quite some time. He picked up a couple of wins at Southern Raceway before heading for Northwest Florida. Uh, also learned as the show was going on that Dale uh, Cake is down there in his modified, getting that car shook down. Uh, and we also understand that uh, there may be somebody down there from our region running in the street stock or the uh, yeah the Cruces Street Stock Division as well. Uh, Rob Brillhart is down there with his street stock from Crystal uh, competing as well. So there's a lot of guys down in Florida running the dirt side of things. Um, here's the thing. The uh, Clash at the Coast, it's going to be all week. Um, and they are going to be racing tonight. They'll race tomorrow. They'll take what is scheduled as a beach day on Wednesday, and then according to uh, the schedule online, they'll be back in action for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Fans can catch all the action at imca.tv, or Hunt the Front has uh, released a uh, streaming service as well. Do want to point out that uh, Rosebro was in action uh, before this, uh, before tonight as well. He raced Saturday night at Southern Raceway, started 10th, finished 7th, and uh, was 5th quick in Sunday's practice. Had a chance to talk to him earlier today. More de more details excuse me, about the event are available online at theclashonthecoast.com. So, uh, Chris, we got a lot of guys from our region uh, who are still racing down in Florida, so we wish them the best of luck. Yeah, it's really cool. And that Rosebrew car is just beautiful. I saw oh. them posting it on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, that I believe that was uh, from the mind of Mark Welch. Um, I think you're right. Race, yes. Race one. And that I, I'm yet to see a car Mark has done that isn't just absolutely gorgeous. 
And yes. also, I should mention, too, that uh, Colin Thurlby, his backup car, is being raced as well by one of the Hunt the Front guys. Jesse is behind the wheel of that car down there, too. So if you're watching and you see double, you know, 247s, you're not seeing double. Uh, both of Colin's cars are in action down there this weekend. So really cool. There's a lot of, a lot of Michigan representation still racing down in Florida. And speaking of Michigan representation, uh, our, our – uh, female friends of the show and that's funny the, the female friends are also the youth movement of the show here over the last couple of weeks uh chris they're not done being in action either yeah um off the heels of her amazing interview last week uh katie hettinger is going to be uh doing some really cool racing stuff down in down uh south uh, she's going to be behind the wheel of a spec mazda car which is super if you've never seen spec mazda racing man uh look it up on youtube that's probably as far as road racing goes some of the best racing you're going to see anywhere and uh katie's going to be getting involved there and also um she did some testing over at carolina motorsports park and then she's going to be getting ready to move into the season opener i guess did they already start with the Cars Tour? Man, or, I, the, she's that been, was unsanctioned, right? Right, yeah. She's been so crazy busy racing down there. I know that they're looking forward to that Cars season with that Anthony Campy racing number 81. They may have started. Uh, I know that she did great at the World Series. That wasn't sanctioned by Cars. Um, so uh, I don't think they've kicked off their season yet, but who knows? She's got so many races on her schedule, Chris. You almost need to be a dedicated Katie Hettinger media person to keep up with everything that she's doing. For sure. And Paige Rogers, who's a part of that NASCAR Drive for Diversity program and uh, was a standout in the late model sportsman races in, in Michigan and Indiana the last last couple years, she's going to definitely be jumping into the deep end. Uh, she hits up the Hickory Motor Speedway this weekend. And Hickory is by no means an easy track to uh, get started in down south. And she's uh, going to be in deep waters, but yeah. if... Uh, if what we've seen out of her up here is any indication, she's going to be doing a pretty good job, I think. And remember, too, a couple of weeks ago, she ran inside the top five after a poor qualifying effort uh, in her late model uh, stock, not debut, but for this season, her first race of the season. So uh, she'll be just fine, I think, down there. Hickory will keep an eye on that as well. You know, we mentioned race season is going to be here. Chris mentioned Justin from MI Service Solutions. Uh, not just the lightsaber, which, by the way, what a cool piece of technology that lightsaber is. Not not light light siever, light siever, not lightsaber, uh light siever. This my understanding Chris, you got to see it uh, up close and personal, mounts right inside the race car, instant light change when there's a problem or a change on the racetrack. Is that is that right? Yeah, the uh the back of the unit that you mount in your car is kind of curved. So it can mount along a uh, like a roll bar. Um, it's got little inserts so you can run a zip tie through there. Uh, what Justin showed me was a lot of drivers will mount it either right above their, where the windshield would be or off to the side because the thing pumps out some light. It is a bright LED. Um, it is adjustable, but if a caution comes out, it blinks at full, uh, full force and then goes down to your whatever your main setting is. But Justin had these set up all around the room oh, uh, that we were in. And it's just a little control panel. You press a button and boom, it flashes green. Press another button, boom, yellow, red. Even flashes white for the for the white flag lap. Is that right? Wow. And, and they are bright. 
I mean, you you would not miss it. And obviously the idea is uh, if you miss the light, you know, you're racing coming out of two going down the backstretch or even, you know, maybe you miss the flagman uh, and, and there's an accident. Pair the light siever up with your race siever, uh, race control. You should never be uh, one of those back marker cars that comes sliding into a caution late ever again. And uh, that's the whole idea. And by the way, speaking of the race siever, I've had this happen. You crack the race siever open, getting ready for the new season, and <clears throat> there's a little moisture in there from last year. You got the greeny meanies, not sure that it's going to work right. Get you a new race siever. You need a new uh, transponder. You got your own transponder. Maybe you want your own transponder for the first time. MI Service Solutions is your answer for all those things. They accept trade-ins on old equipment. And by the way, going on right now, use the code HPH10 for 10% off your order at checkout when you go to miservicesolutions.com. And Chris, you can't get this stuff is all the pricing on this stuff is is mandated for these dealers, for Justin and anybody else who sells this stuff. So using MI Service Solutions by listening to Horsepower Happenings, your only way to save a buck on this equipment. So uh, we appreciate Justin and, and pretty cool. What do you think about that light siever? Uh, do you think you'll see some of those at Owasso? I I wouldn't be surprised to see some of them. I mean, it's it's a hundred some dollars and race car drivers are known to be a little bit on the cheap side. So I could see it being a bit of a tepid um, start. But I think once a few of them have them in there and you see what the benefits are. I mean, Owasso with the changes going on, it's going to be state of the art as far as safety goes, but I don't think it's out of the, out of line to say that short tracks across the country, some of them are lacking in safety features. I mean, there's only so many warning lights, so many, you know, one flag man and having something in your car that can just tell you, Hey, caution's out. I mean, I would love to see tracks all over the country adopt this type of system. Frugal race car drivers, HPH10, that's the code at checkout from miservicesolutions.com. All right, Zach, it is about time to bring on a guest, and I am super excited to have this guy on the show. One of my best friends in all of motorsports. We got our start working together back in the uh, days of the NSTA Modified Tour, but he currently serves as the chief starter at the Toledo and Flat Rock Speedways. Welcome to the show, Adam Matthews. How you doing? What's going on, man? How have you been? Oh, not bad, not bad. Happy to be out of the rain today. <laughs> but uh, things have been pretty good. Looking forward to racing season. About two months away and really honestly can't wait. So, so I, I got to tell you, Matthew, or Adam, before we get started, Matthew, I'm going to do that. you got two first names. Um, Adam that, Matthews. That's happened to my whole life. Yeah, man. So Chris, <laughs> right, I want to start right out of the gate with this. Chris, you know, end up saying he could fill in for Rich because Rich is on vacation the next two weeks. And so I let Chris kind of, you know, say, okay, who can we bring on the show that will be good for us to talk to? And he said, what do you think about this guy, Adam Matthews, flagman at, you know, Flat Rock Toledo, did some other stuff. And then Rich messaged me today and goes, this is baloney uh, that you're bringing Adam on. Uh, and I can't even give him a hard time. So Rich wanted me to first and foremost let you know that you're getting off easy tonight. At least he thinks so. Well, he gives me a hard time about 20 weekends a year, so I'll take an easy one. <laughs> uh, I guess I do want to start there. Talk about, you know, obviously Rich, we love Rich, he does a great job here, but working at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways uh, as the flagman, uh, you know, head starter, chief starter, wherever you want, flagman, um, you are surrounded by some of the best weekly short track employees uh, with the ARCA branding, you know, obviously Ron Drager, you know, Scott Schultz. 
of course, Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer Gary Lindahl on a regular basis. Just kind of talk about the atmosphere that you you work in currently and and how it's been. Well, it's honestly for me, it's it's completely different than anywhere I've ever worked. But part of that is the fact that I grew up going to Toledo and Fly Rock. I used to buy tickets from Scott Schultz. I used to listen to Gary Lindahl on the weekends. I used to watch Rich France race. Yeah. And now to be part of that team, it's it's kind of it's cool. It's kind of crazy how it came together, but. I mean, just everything as a whole. I mean, it is kind of like a big family. We work together. We work good together. And then there's times we disagree together. But at the end of the night, we all have a good time. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit because uh, Chris kind of has the inside scoop here on some of the other stuff. So I'll take the low-hanging fruit. Uh, Every week at racetracks all across America, we look in the grandstands. And it, it had not been this way. For about 10 years, I didn't see one. And then all of a sudden, it started happening again where we're seeing junior flagmen in the grandstands. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to twirl the sticks. I love being in the stand whenever I get a chance, aside from doing anything else at the races. Tell me about your background. You mentioned you go, you went to Flat Rock in Toledo as a fan. Um, tell me how you end up becoming an official and, more, moreover, becoming one of the most prominent officials that people see at a racetrack. Oh boy. So as a child, I wanted to be a race car driver, but I found myself always watching the starter, whether it was at the track or on TV, um, had a, at my grandparents' house had a, well, didn't have a go-kart track out back. I kind of turned the yard into a dirt track with my go-kart and, uh, friends would come over with theirs and we'd take turns. Everybody would race and one person would have to sit out and flag the race. And I was the only one that really didn't get upset when I had to flag. And I always thought yeah, I was going to race for a living. going to be a NASCAR, IndyCar, didn't care. And then I was going to retire and flag. Well, that went really well, but, uh, did get a chance to race a little bit here and there. And, um, Wow, the story of how I started this. <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris tells me that you getting into the uh, to the role of a of a head starter uh, may be a good one. Um, yeah, tell yeah, him the uh, so, tell him the real story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, a day like today, pouring rain at work. Uh, today we were able to work in it. Some days you can't. We're sitting there waiting out the rain, and I'm just messing around on speed fifty one. See a. Uh, read a story about a new modified series or a modified series with a new owner. And at the bottom of the story, there's a phone number and says they're looking for officials. So on my way home from work that day, I call uh, John Robbins answers the phone, ask him if he's looking for a starter. And uh, he says that he is. And he says, but he would like somebody with experience. And, you know, ask me, what's my experience? So I tell him about, you know, a couple different racing series and, couple racetracks that i've flagged for um the only thing is is i didn't really flag for them these are races that i was in as a driver (laughs) oh man so so he asked me if i can come to anderson a week before the season starts do a practice day there just so we can be on the radio together and things go good and we go to the first race and things go pretty good you know and i'm not gonna lie to you i'm shaking in my boots practice was fine qualifying was fine you throw the green flag on 35 modifieds and they spread out five wide and i'm like oh okay this is a little different they go by and put the flag away and they come by flying on the first lap and i'm first thing smoked in the forehead by a rock and i'm thinking is this really what i want to do oh no so but it, it ended up it was it was a fun time and you know met some 
met some good people and uh, went through a few races and you know, then he starts giving me more roles to do. Well, well, since you're good at this and you've been doing this for a long time, why don't you go do this too? And you can do that. Next thing you know, I'm director of race day operations. And I'm having to set up stuff. Really? With all the, you know, we travel to a different track and I'm setting up where the pace car is and all kinds of things. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, man, if he doesn't know yet, did he's you want to find did, out soon. Did you expect it to expand at all like that? Uh, oh, it blew up quick. It blew up a lot quicker than I thought it was going to. Um, I mean... I started out first race was at IRP, and then and we your first to, race was at one of the most iconic short tracks in the in the country. Yeah. Oh, it gets and better. Race, Zach. It gets a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So, so then race two. So, so I got well. I got to ask you this then. I got to ask you this then because I was in the starter stand at Nashville, and the first time that a pro late model went under the starter stand, I, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so much different than anything I've ever experienced before." Same idea, probably at IRP. Those cars carry so much speed. Do you remember your your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions the first time a car went under you at, at probably damn near 100 mile an hour? Um, yeah, well, practice was, I mean, it was 15 cars at a time. It wasn't a big deal. But we had 35 cars start to feature. And, uh, I mean, I literally, when they went under the rumble, and I was like, man, this is cool, you know, giving them the green. But when they <laughs> came by the first time at speed, I'm like, oh, boy. I, I mean, I'm shaking in my boots. Like, I just don't mess up. Don't mess up. Wow. Don't drop a flag. That's all, you know, just watch what's going on. I mean, I know racing, you know, I've been in racing my whole life, whether it be a race fan, I've raced. I mean, that part was easy. It was just a, a little thing. Don't make a mistake. Hmm. And, uh, and I did wonder, well, did I make the right decision? And I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to look ahead at the schedule. I just knew, okay, IRP this week, Anderson oh, next no. week. So the fourth race I ever flag in my life at Bristol unreal and i'm like and i'm just like oh so you know and i we drive down and get there and i walk into the place and i'm like holy wow okay and then it's like you know you really don't mess up here but really the year went off good and i was thinking about coming clean at toledo because toledo was on my bucket list obviously sure it's where i grew up and i'm like you can't fire me at the track if i <laughs> tell them while we're here <laughs> you can't fire me on race night and then we ended up having a, a weird race, so I never said anything. We had a 50-lap race, no yellows. We had two reds. We ended up with a tire in the grandstands, and it was just a bad night. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to say anything tonight. So came clean at the end of the year and was told that, uh, well, after we made it through Bristol, I wouldn't have cared. Wow. Man. <clears throat> now, tell me about Bristol, yeah, because I've seen before... Sorry, Chris. I'm sorry, Chris. You're going to have to interrupt me at some point. Uh, <laughs> tell me about Bristol, because I know a lot of the short track shows, you don't get to use the standard... Uh, you know, you don't get to use the standard flag stand. They they put a scissors, scissor lift on the back straight away, and that's kind of where everything takes place. Was that the same case? Yeah. This was actually the first uh, short track nationals. Okay. And during practice, that thing was... We thought it was going to flip. It was I really mean, 15, 16 cars on track, and it was shaky. And uh, yeah, at me got and, to be uh, basically the guinea pig for that that first yeah, year. Him Brian, and Brian Duncan were uh, yeah, just Brian absolutely the, uh, the guinea pigs. Yeah, and we were we me and Brian had a little talk, and uh, I think they uh, maybe the cars tour was up. There was they had a guy there, and me and Brian were talking. And uh, Brian was actually one of the first people when I started doing this that I talked to, and really, you know, just one of the first people I got along with. And we're sitting there talking like, man, this isn't good. 
they, they got to come up with something. We didn't care if they lowered it or just had to do something. And they ended up uh, strapping it to the fence and it was still shaky, but it was a lot better than it was. Yeah. And this was a, this race ended because a, a car's roof blew off. Wasn't that the, the last caution of yeah. that race? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, that race was messy. We had a red flag. Well, we had a, we had a crash out of two yellow comes out and a car entering three makes it all the way around yellow lights on under the flag stand flag out back into one and two and just pile drives into the accident. And, uh, yeah, so I mean, we were running I mean, really Zach, um, this whole first season that we had together with NSTA could probably be a movie on its own. I mean, there was just so many, so many crazy stories we and- have. And man, what an ice-breaking season for somebody who's never been in the flag stand before. I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna get yourself, you know, get get yourself break the ice, right? I mean, yeah. Well, the, it, well, it the sounds like you got everything. And, so, and the first year gets crazier too. Feel, so yeah, so we had a race free. run long, and we were told next flag race is over. We're going to the checkered flag. Next yellow, the race is over. And guy running, I, I don't was he leading. Maybe he was second or third. I don't know. He was up front, and the the roof just blows off the car coming out of turn four. And I'm just like, holy moly. Like, well, there's our yellow. But I just, I mean, who's ever seen a car just driving and the roof flies off? Jeez Louise, man. So, now, so, how, 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 go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, um, the one that follows that up that I think is probably the best story of the year is uh, when we went to Anderson, what, two or three weeks later? Uh, a couple weeks before. Well, wait a minute. What's the, cause I know what you're doing. The second the first time race. Was the, it was the second Anderson. Okay. Yeah. That was just a few weeks yeah. later. Yeah. So I'll, I'll set the scene <laughs> for you, Zach. Yeah. Our, so you want to tell this one or you want me to? I'll, I'll get it rolling. I'll let you finish it. <laughs> so <laughs> the, our race is done. We're loading up equipment and hanging out in the pits afterwards. They had a hundred lap street stock race to follow us. And, uh, Adam and I are standing around shooting the breeze and we see a car come off the track with a flat tire and we see a whole crew of people rushing towards the car. We're like, Oh wow. They're going to just whip the tire change out right there. That's cool. And then I don't know when you noticed it, Adam, but I noticed that nobody was carrying a tire or a Jack. Yeah. And, uh, that's I noticed that too. <laughs> yeah. So this guy pulls into the pits with his flat tire and four guys come running at the car, proceed to, rip his helmet off of him, pull him out of the car, and they beat him with his own helmet. No way. Then out of nowhere, from way across the pits, one guy comes across, comes flying in, and beats down all four of the guys. Holy smokes. That that were beating the guy with his own helmet. Then he puts his helmet on, gets his tire changed, and he goes back out on the track. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> and, wow. just, and we're just looking at each other like, did we really just see what we just saw? And then confirmation yeah, the, of that was the, the next week was when the guy got tased on the front stretch. <laughs> this was the week before that. And it's like, yeah, we saw what we saw. And this is a regular occurrence. Unreal. All right. Now I'm going yeah, uh, I, I to go ahead and fast forward a little bit now. So when was that? When was your first season? Uh, 2017. Okay, so you're, what is that, quick math says that, that you're on what, like year seven, right? This will be year seven this year. Yeah. Feels like about 20, though. What have you done in between? So since then, right, so now we know you're at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway, 
What is the Reader's Digest version of, of these uh, last six years? Well, 2017 actually blew up pretty quick. I was on my way to Kalamazoo for an NSTA race, driving, and get a text from Scott Menlin asking me if I can do the ethanol tour race the next night at Oakshade. We know that which guy. Which worked out perfectly. Yeah. Most people do. Um, I don't know if he's old enough to drive yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> what is Chris? Was it you that said that you've known Scott for so many years, and uh, that that as long as you've known him, he's always been just forty years old or whatever it was? Yeah, I've I've known Scott since probably two thousand nine, and he's looked like he's like late thirties, early forties the entire time. <laughs> I have I legitimately have no idea how old Scott actually is. He's still in twenty. I just assume that he's like Benjamin Button or something. Well, I'll, I will. I will undoubtedly get fired if I tell you how old he is on on our podcast. But regardless, uh, there's a fun little antidote. So you head to Oakshade for the ethanol tour. Go ahead and continue. Yeah, which worked worked perfect because I lived 15 minutes from there at the time, so it was a no brainer. And then I don't remember where we went next after that for NSTA. And then I get a phone call from CRA. Hey, can you come? I uh, don't remember where it was. I think it was Dixie. Can you come to Dixie? Sure. Go. No, it was Auto City. First CRA was Auto City. And then while I'm there, they ask, can I go to Dixie? And I'm like, sure. And then I end up at Owasso with them. So now I've done an ethanol race, three CRA races, and, you know, going to do the whole NSTA series. And then the competition director from NSTA, he's got his hands in all kinds of different series, go-karts and all kinds of things. And sure. I end the season off in October at a dirt track in South Carolina. How? And I'm like, really? okay, well, this is pretty cool. And then you talk of all the crazy stuff that we saw that year with NSTA, this race, I just noticed when I walked in, there's just cops everywhere. I'm like, oh huh? boy, this isn't regular security before the week of three day show before the weekend's over. I've got one cop at the bottom of the flag stand and two in the flag stand with me. And I'm being escorted to eat, being escorted to the bathroom. And Unreal. These people are just wild. They're wild down there. I mean, stuff getting thrown at the flag stand and they come, they try to come into the flag stand. It was just, it was a fun time. Did, and now did it get to the point where you, you said stuff had been thrown where was there any, I mean, any opportunity where the escort had to uh, get a little, you know, fluff the feathers a little bit. Um, well, they, it was a three day show and we weren't halfway through Friday and they were, on their post. And I mean, I was had escorted to my car and it, it still got wild. They didn't care. They would throw stuff with the cops up there. Goodness I mean, gracious. They, they went down a couple of times, but this is under green. So I'm not watching what's going on with them. Yeah. You I got mean, your back during racing. Wow. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. So then last six years, NSTA ended at the end of 17, uh, 2018. I did work for CRA. Well, my first race in 2018 actually ended up being January. Florida road course go-kart race. Um, uh, that's where the incident with Mr. Montoya happened. What is Kevin that? Told Juan Montoya, I told Juan Montoya where to put it. No kidding. Uh, he, he come to our officials meeting at 6 a.m. arguing about a call from the day before and he won't stop and he won't stop and he went to leave and he turns around. He starts coming up to me and I'm like, Hey, I was like, we haven't had a race today. What are you arguing about? Well, yesterday, well, you didn't, you didn't complain yesterday. I was like, this is our meeting. Go. He left. He actually ended up being really cool, though. Montoya is one of the coolest people I've ever met. Um, and I ended off that weekend in Emerson Fittipaldi's bus. Uh, he just hanging out for about a half an hour and took a couple pictures with him, signed my flag, and 
super nicest guy in the world. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what just happened? And this is my first race of 2018. And I'm, I'm just like, what is going on? So in about 300, and, so just to recap the last, uh, the last 10, 15 minutes here for in 365 days, you went from fan mode on a regular basis to telling Juan Pablo Montoya where, where he can shove his opinion about a non-call and hanging out in one of the most well-known race car drivers in the world, Hauler. Yes, and wow. I don't get starstruck very much, but Emerson Fittipaldi. That, that was that was still one of the cool things that's ever happened. Man, oh man. Yeah, I will, I will uh, stand by the statement that, and I mean this in the nicest way, Adam is really like the Forrest Gump of Flagmen <laughs> in the sense that he, he literally just kind of fluked into the job, and not only did he just kind of BS his way into a job, became one of the best flagmen in probably the country, in my opinion, hands down, my favorite flagman that I've ever worked with. What about, um, and, and how how so, what do you mean by that as far as uh, presentation or uh, managing the racetrack? Uh, expand well, on that. I mean, for one thing, he waves the flags real pretty. Nice. Which is always a, always a nice, uh, a nice touch but uh as an you you know as a as an announcer zach there's a kind of a uh chemistry build up with your flagman if yep. you work with them week after week like somebody spins you don't even have to think if the flagman's going to call that as a caution you know before the flag's in their hand that's a caution or they're going to let that one breathe and it just seemed like instantly uh adam and i really found our groove and you know the way that he the way that he calls lapped you know lapped cars and the way he manages the race i mean it just it really fell right in line with kind of what i thought and it was really easy to pick up on and uh we only got to work together the one year but it felt like we had worked together for 10 adam i want to ask you because uh, chris makes a great point here and i don't know how many people actually realize this and i've seen before where a lot of people don't um the flagman position the head starter position in some scenarios, a lot of what you talked about, Ethanol Champion Racing Association, for sure. Uh, the head starter, while you have a job to watch the racetrack and, and be ready to make a call should you need one, uh, you have somebody up above you in, in race control who's really kind of, again, I don't mean to downplay it, almost like a puppet master. Um, while you still have your job, right, to watch for debris, watch the race cars, make sure they're not leaking fluid or there's no danger there, that decision to throw a caution is not always yours. Uh, talk about that scenario and kind of how was that hard to get used to or was that just a part of the job that you already knew was going to be part of what you were doing? Um, well, it depends on the series. So NSTA, it was kind of between me, race director, competition director, the three of us worked together. I could throw a yellow if I saw fit, as long as I told them why I threw it. Um, any called back starts were actually on me. Um, CRA, as you know, it's all from the tower. Ethanol is all from the tower. Uh, some of the dirt track stuff I've done, I've played starter and race director at the same time. And, and in the dirt track world, uh, that is still very common. Uh, still very common yes, for that to be that way. There were some series where I had to count my own laps. Oh, man. And, and I mean, I'm making the call on the radio. All right, coming to halfway. You know, make the call on the radio. Five to go. And the only time I would have scoring wouldn't talk. Unless there was a yellow, I 
their rule was majority of the field. So if we had a yellow at lap five, are we restarting lap four or lap five? That's, you know, all I needed to know. And I counted laps. And sometimes I had a race director who uh, everything would be between the two of us on making calls. But actually at Toledo and Flat Rock, 100% of the calls come from the flag stand. Uh, we make the decision to throw the yellow and we call the caution who's going to the tail. Power is there to advise. But that is why at Toledo and Flat Rock, we have two guys. One guy watches one and two. I watch three and four. We cover the back stretch together and all calls come from the flag stand there. Yeah. I want to also piggyback off of something that Chris said about you as a flag, mm-hmm. as a starter. Uh, that he said you wave the flags real pretty. This has been a discussion that I've had fun having over the last couple of years about the flair of a head starter uh, and um, how uh, this is a, just a great discussion question. Adding to the show or trying to be the show and how much is too much and, and how much is just enough. Uh, for me, I like a good pretty flag. I like a, I like a, a, a excited, double-checkered um but that's pretty much all I need. The dancing around during the race, the pointing it at cars um, exuberantly. I like a good, you know, move the lap car down the racetrack or let them know that the, the leader's coming. I like a good one of those. But there are some flag star, flagmen or head starters who I think try to be the show rather than support the show. Talk about you trying to, I assume, try to find that balance with, with the work that you do. Well, as a kid, like I said, I would watch the starter a lot and I watched what they would do. And I even would watch the starter on TV. I mean, I could wave a flag like Harold Kender, Doyle Ford, Dwayne Sweeney, didn't matter. I just learned how to do all their styles. But I learned pretty quick that you need to have your own style. Now, be thankful for that because my favorite is Dave Farney. And and that's and exactly I who I think, was that's exactly who I was thinking of, right? Yes. You know. I don't think I could do half of his moves anyway. But what I found, and, and this is just my style, people actually will come up to you and tell you how if the race is boring, at least they have you to watch. Okay. The other thing I've realized, I'm not the show, but I am part of the show. And there might be 10,000 people there all to watch the car, but there's two kids there that are there watching you. So if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't try to take over the show. Anything I give, I'm not pointing at cars for no reason. I'm communicating. Like, I show a little gap signal. I'm just letting the lap car know, hey, the leader's getting closer. I do use a blue flag at Toledo and Flat Rock. Some places don't. I'm fine using it or not using it. But I still give a little signal like, hey, they're coming, just because I don't want it to be a last minute, oh, hey, I got the leader right behind me. You know, give them a little heads up. Um, But it's it's those little kids. Kids are the future in the grandstands. Kids are the future in the pits kids are the future officials i've had i've had kids come up and ask for autographs i've had a mom come up and tell me one time that this is the third time they've been to the track and they can't get him to watch the cars he wants to watch me so at the end of the night i gave him a checkered flag i've got another kid that you know i found out that he watches me every weekend he doesn't even really care about the racing so i told him you know i they're there every week. I said, I made sure they're going to be here next week. They were. I give them a whole set of flags. You know, this, to me, it's the future of the sport. You might have one or two people watching you. Do your job. Do it right. Make sure you're watching the track, taking care of it. Keep the driver safe. Keep the show moving. But if you throw in a couple little flare moves, then as long as you can do it and don't drop the flag and don't mess up, why not? That's kind of my thoughts on it. And yes, there are some that go a little far. 
And I don't think Dave Farney's one of them, though. I kind of enjoy watching him. But then there's some that just stand there and don't do much. And that's, to me, that's not being part of the show. That's almost, to me, that feels like you're there doing a job. I'm not there doing a job. I'm having fun. Now, one thing I do want to know, and I mean, feel free to not be completely honest on this one for, uh, you know, sake of future jobs, but what are some of the sketchiest flag stands you've been in outside of the the scissor lift at Bristol? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, some of the uh, dirt tracks in Kansas and Missouri, um, they, well, the one was, I could stand next to it on the ground and it was about shoulder high and it was made of two by fours and it was not very far from the racetrack at all. And it stuck out over the track. Um, not, you know, no fence or anything. That was pretty sketchy. Um, there was a track in South Dakota. I cannot think of the name of the track. It was, it was an aluminum flag stand, very thin. And that thing just walking on it, that thing just bounced up and down. I mean, you felt like you were on a diving board. Um, past that, though, some of the sketchier ones are fun. Like Anderson is one of my favorite places to go just because the flag stands so low to the ground and it's a fast track and you're, I mean, the cars are right in your face. And to me, that's cool. Um, I can't really, I'm all like the sketchiest is the one road course race I did where I stood on the racetrack. I had a little barrier that my flags went behind and I stood there, but anytime you had to throw a flag, you walked out on track and that was, it was cool, but you just hoped that they didn't get stupid. And for sure, somebody got blocks three wide coming to the checkers and I'd oh. take off running, but <laughs> you now, know, now, things happen from time to time. You've done your job from the race service at uh, race surface at flat rock though. Haven't you? Isn't that part of the figure oh, eight, yeah. uh, figure eight setup? It is. And that's one of the things that Rich would give me a hard time about. Um, he tells me that I stand way too close to the figure eights. Okay. He tells me that I'm going to get hit some night, but I was just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but then when you have a legend like Bob Stoop come up and tell you that, hey, after the race is one night, hey, you know, you're the talk of the pit wall. We're all betting on how long it's going to take for you to get hit. And so far, nobody has that you're not going to get hit. How far are you? I, I mean, like, okay, g- give us give us an idea how close you're getting. I mean, what are you, two or three, uh, two or three lanes off the groove or what? I could touch the cars when I go by. Whoa! <laughs> Goodness yeah, gracious! I've, I've had a wing, one of the figure eight cars, the wing actually hit the flag once. And I only walk out there to throw the green, throw the white flag and the checkers. But um, Bob Stute told me that, and I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I ought to back it off a little bit. He's been here a few more years than I have. Yeah. So we've backed up a few feet, but it's only for three laps of the race. I mean, huh. you just got to pay attention and be ready to run. Wow. But to me, that, again, that's part of the show part of the excitement you know i mean it's the, when the people in the stands you hear them like oh, well okay that might have been a little close but that's part of the excitement <laughs> and if that gets three people to come back next week then you did your job if the cars got 500 people to come back and i got three people to come back well then that's three more people than we would have had there you go now uh <clears throat> one thing i really appreciate about adam too is he's kind of had a, a a flair for bringing back the history of the flagman. Uh, Adam's one of the few flagmen around that shows up in a referee shirt still. Yeah. And uh, I think that is just a chef's kiss touch. Just amazing. Yeah. To me, well, I've always wore the white pants. And when I was traveling, you had to wear the shirt, whatever series you were with. But I always wore white pants. Kind of a throwback to the officials. It doesn't matter 
it doesn't matter what it is. Every race that's ever happened has had to have pit crews, drivers, fans, and officials. The officials back in the day wore white pants, and if they didn't do what they did, we wouldn't be here doing what we're doing now. And then once I got to Toledo and Flat Rock, I didn't really have to wear a certain shirt anymore. So I started wearing the referee shirt just for racer reunion nights. And we have a retro night where two retro nights, one for figure eights, one for street stocks, where we run pursuits instead of heats. And back in the day, the figure eights used to run all of their pursuits on the oval and then just the feature on the figure eight track. So we have retro nights. And uh, then for the uh, Joy Fair and Stan U Memorial, I started wearing the referee shirt. And that was uh, my first year there, and then after that, I just kind of started wearing it every week. Just kind of became part of my uniform, I guess. I want to know how you go from traveling on the road to uh, Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways. How do you end up there? Um, well, it's actually pretty simple. So 2018, I, I worked for one, five or six different series in 2018 all at the same time. And then 2019, I was with eight different series. Um, did 45 races or so in 2019. Sometimes it was a quick drive up the road to Bearfield for CRA or Anderson or Toledo. And then the next week I might be in LA and then the next week, you know, fly out to LA. And then the next week I take a thousand mile drive to Kansas and I'm doing all this with having a day job. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> so I went through Toledo a few times with CRA, was there with NSTA, and then did quite a few CRA races at Toledo. And, you know, always, you know, grew up there, knew Scott Schultz, would always talk with him, talk with Frankie, who was the starter at the time. And uh, so in 2019, I got a phone call from Mr. Schultz asking if I could fill in for a couple nights. And I, you know, I looked at my schedule and a couple of them I could, a couple of them I already had something and couldn't make it, but I went and filled in where I could at both Toledo and Flat Rock and just kind of joked, joked around with them or whatever. And he just kind of made the joke of, you know, we're going to get you off the road one day and get you here. And I said, he said, I'm going to make some phone calls and uh, get you off the road. And I said, you only got to make one phone call. And he was like, really? I said, yeah, just kind of getting burned out with, you know, 40, 50 races a year, flying all over the place and, you know. I just, he just kind of gets burned out. And he was like, well, you thinking about quitting? And I said, no, I'm not going to quit. I'll do this as long as I can. And just, you know, it'd be nice to be a little closer to home. And sure enough, the starter, Frankie was actually the race director. Jason Sanderson was getting ready to retire. They were going to move Frankie up to race director and they were looking for a starter. And January of 2020, Scott called me and said, Hey, you interested? Sure am. Wow. And, uh, pretty much went to quit everywhere else and then 2020 turned into what 2020 was and i was back on the road again because you had to go to where you could race so i was back with cra and back doing the dirt stuff out in kansas and missouri and well quieter year 14 15 races in 2020 and then had the glass city 200 at toledo that year we ended up being my first race and then 2021 i did try to keep the dirt stuff around but it just i did two races that year and i just called it and said i can't do it anymore nicest people in the world some of the best people i ever worked with was with that series but just eight nine hundred thousand mile drive to a race for a weekend which i couldn't couldn't do it so i'm here now i'm back where i grew up my toledo's 40 minutes from the house flat rocks a little over an hour get to race every weekend get to sleep in my own bed doesn't mess with the work schedule pretty pretty good situation now 
Well, man, I can't believe that we've flown through your time already. I'm going to do this. Uh, one final question from each of us. And, Chris, I, I'll, I'll start with you, and then uh, we'll wrap <clears> up and, and get out of here. Well, I'd, I'd like you tell, to tell us the story about your relationship with Gary Lindahl. I mean, obviously, he's a, he's a um, permanent fixture just about at Toledo and Flat Rock. And, and I know you and him have a, a special relationship that goes pretty far back, and I think it's a pretty cool story. Um. Yeah, I'll tell you that if I can tell you the other story, too. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's so, fine. Go ahead. So I listened to Gary as a kid growing up. I mean, he was well, he started at Toledo in 99. Well, I was a teenager then, but he'd been at Flat Rock since, I believe, 1988. And just, you know, I mean, that was the voice of Saturday night. It was Gary Lindahl. You knew you were going to hear it's my favorite time of the night. And you knew you were going to hear a lookout a few times. And throughout the years, just hearing his voice and we would get to talking, um, I found out that not only he, but his wife can both drink me under the table. Um, <laughs> that's another story for another time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe but, when uh, we've all had a couple of uh, brewskis, we'll talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, uh, he had some trouble one time, knees replaced and stuff, and he was just having trouble getting up and down the grandstands. And he says, hey, he says, mind, do me a favor. He says, can you uh, come up to the tower, help me get down the down the stairs to do the anthems and get me back up to the tower? And can you get me back down for the victory lane interviews between every feature? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I mean, I'm there anyways. Why not? I don't care. You know, scary Lindahl. Hell yeah, I'll do it. And so we're doing that. And next thing you know, he just starts handing me free passes. He was like, well, you're helping me out. You know, I'm like, I'm coming here anyways. He's like, yeah, I don't care. Just take these passes. And I'm like, okay. So next thing you know, I'm getting the track for free for that season. And uh, at the end of the year, to say thanks, he got me a book that was a racing book that was actually, I don't remember which one it was now because I have a thousand racing books. I could go get it. Just don't remember the name of it, but it just kind of was kind of a pretty, you know, cool season we actually talked more and got to know each other more and became pretty good friends actually and this is back man this was at least 10 years ago 10 15 years ago we just became really good friends and stayed friends ever since anytime i was at the track we'd you know talk a little bit before the races and we'd end up in the parking lot afterwards and then uh the second story is the this one's to me a little better of a story funny, a funnier story uh the the comment on the facebook post the weenie arm there's a uh, story to that. So two years ago, my first year, full year at Flat Rock, he's down on the uh, front stretch getting ready to do anthems. And I call into the safety truck. I says, hey, after we get done with the anthems, I said, we got some debris here on the front stretch. Says, I'm sure you can see it. It's neon green and it's talking. <laughs> and uh, Gary looks up at me and he just kind of gives me a little point go through the anthems and as he's coming through the fence he looks up in the flag stand he's like you're gonna learn you don't mess with the guy with the microphone Uh oh first first race of the night i'm giving him one to green for the first heat he says and our weenie arm flag man adam matthews gives him the one to go signal (laughs) and i'm thinking all right he got me but then i started to realize where i was wrong so then the next weekend he's down there for the anthems and i called in that we have some hall of fame debris on the racetrack and so weenie arm kind of stuck and I've got my little buddy Hall of Fame debris. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I love that, by the way. And that was going to be my last question is, uh, as an announcer, one of my all-time favorite things to do is a four-wide salute or any sort of salute to the fans, a wave lap. Um, And you talk about the flair. 
to me, a good flagman, Chris, to your point, uh, there are flagmen that I know are going to really help me get the crowd energized, and there are flagmen uh, who I just don't know. You know, some days they, they do, some days it's just whatever. Can you hear the announcers when you're at the racetrack from the flag stand? And, you know, what are some of – so for me, a, a wave lap is a goosebump moment. What are some of the goosebump moments for you from the flag stand? Um, you can hear the announcer depending on the racetrack at Toledo. I can hear a little bit, uh, at flat rock. I can hear every single word that is said, even under yellow, under green. I don't know if I can't hear, or if I'm just not paying attention, kind of, I'm busy at the moment when we're under green, but under yellow and in between races, I can hear everything. Um, there's a few tracks where you cannot hear the announcer, uh, IRP, you can hear the announcer very well. Um, there, and Anderson, you can hear pretty good, but there's, there's quite a few tracks that you can, quite a few tracks that you can. I mean, I, I, I lost count, but I've flagged it over 50 tracks Unreal. and it's, it's about a 50, 50 mix of where, whether you can or can't hear the announcer. All right. Now hit me with that goosebump um, moment. Yeah. Goosebump moment. <laughs> oh, Cedar Lake, Wisconsin, indoor go-kart race, and a go-kart and driver ended up in the flag stand. No way. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, uh, okay, well, all right. Ended up in the stand, and, and obviously this is with you, right? In the stand with you. Yes. Man. Yes, right behind me. I mean, I saw it coming out of four, and it just, it, I mean, it missed me by a foot, but it was, I mean, right behind me. And, I mean, it, it smoked the inside of the stand very good. So that was kind of a, uh, uh-oh. But the other goosebump moment, I mean, and I agree with wave laps and things. I definitely agree. But it, it's kind of cool that well, I started doing this. My kids were little. Now my daughter works in the concession stand in the pits, and my son's on the safety truck. And just the first night that all three of us were there working, and it was just like, just thinking, like, man, this is kind of cool. Like, got my kids into doing this. That's awesome. And, you know, just something that, again, goes back to kids are the future of the sport. Yep. And – the the boy wants to race though, so that'll be interesting the day he decides to do that. But well, maybe you'll have a chance you know, to just, uh, wave his first checkered flag. That that would be pretty cool. Yeah, man, that would be cool. But I, he's a dirt guy though. Well, but, uh, that didn't that didn't matter. You could go back over there, Adam. I yeah, hate I hate yeah, to cut I, you, I hate to cut you off, man. Uh, we are we are late to our next interview by a lot. Uh, you told us this off the air at the start. We could do this all night, and you weren't kidding. Um, and, and I want to say thanks to Chris, uh, because I believe if I remember correctly, you are, uh, our first or second, maybe our second head starter that we've had on the show. And I know it's been the first one in a long time. So, uh, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for being a part of the show as well. Uh, the racing show, uh, for all that you've done and, uh, looking forward to, you know, kind of getting over to flat rock and Toledo now for a different reason to, uh, see if you've done any weightlifting to get those arms buffed up a little bit. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter how big they are. I'm still going to hear it from Gary and Rich. That's so. right. Adam, man, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. Great to chat with Adam. Uh, Chris, you, you know, he, he joked at the beginning. He said, hey, I'll talk your ear off. Uh, we'll be here all night if you don't shut me down. And uh, I think there are more stories that we didn't get a chance to dive into tonight. Uh, you know, you called him a friend when we were talking about having him on the show. Um, what a cool, I mean, again, you tell a little white lie. And some of the stuff that he's been able to experience, clearly he's got the talent to back up that little white lie. And uh, 
man, some of the some of the things that he's gone and done, really cool. And and uh, man, I was glad glad you talked me into having him on the show. Yeah, I uh, you know I worked with him that first year in 2017, and I didn't find out the truth until he and I had a like a come to Jesus conversation over the <laughs> off season after that, and I would have never known that he was as fresh to it as he was. I mean, the guy. I mean, admittedly, he's one of my best friends in the world, but is one of the very best flagmen around. He, you know, he's the guy that doesn't steal the show, but he definitely makes the show. Absolutely. Hey, uh, you know what? I want to say thanks to Be Cool Radiators. By way of CNT Services, uh, Be Cool Radiators is the studio sponsor for this season of Horsepower Happenings. Be Cool is the leader in power cooling systems. They can cool if it's got an engine, if it's got a motor, it needs a radiator, it needs fans, it needs any sort of cooling. They can do it. Based out of Essexville, Michigan, you can find them online at BeCool.com. Call them anytime at 1-800-691-2667. They've got OE products, factory fit, LS swaps, circle track, drag racing, you know, rock crawlers, you name it, Be Cool has it. BeCool.com, 1-800-691-2667. And now it's time to move on to our second interview of the night, and uh, it's our pleasure to bring on this driver who I would say has a pretty iconic look uh, behind the wheel of his Outlaw Super Late model that might be changing a little bit this year. We'll talk to him about that coming up. Makes his home in Flushing, Michigan. Blake Childers, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, how's it going? So, and that's the first question, right? Childers, Childers, which is it? It's Childers. Perfect. So it's funny if you look up Blake Childers or Childers Racing on social media, you instantly get redirected to Richard Childress Racing. Um, so I, I mean, maybe there's a future for you there. But uh, Blake, first and foremost, thank you for being on the show. I'm going to come right out of the gate swinging, man. Uh, there's no two ways about it. You've got the Wheeler Trucking uh, emblem on your car. Very dedicated. Uh, we see you at Owasso Speedway all the time. I'm going to come out swinging. Talk to me about your feelings. Talk to me about your uh, outlook on 2023 with all the things that are happening at Owasso Speedway. Well, I think it's going to be really good for uh, local short track racing. I mean, <clears throat> it's like you know what everybody dreams of, having somebody there to – take the track and do what, um, you know, Rex and Jeff and all them guys have planned out there. <clears throat> um, I mean, it's just, it's really exciting, brand new track and all the things, you know, the, the, the bleachers are going to be there eventually. And, uh, you know, all the different stuff, the lighting and all that stuff. I mean, it's just amazing. And it's, you know, getting a lot of people excited, you know, I'm myself, I'm really excited, but I think, you know, speaking for everybody else, everybody's ready to go out there and go racing and have some fun, you know, what is the, uh, what is the first thing, I guess, the repave, right? So many years, uh, drivers have have worked on getting their car set up to handle the abrasive and and I mean, frankly, rough Owasso Speedway. Um, excited about that? I mean, I think that a repave of a local short track is always usually a, a good thing and an exciting thing. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on the repave? You know, I'm I'm really excited for it. Um, I think it needed it badly. I mean, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, we've, you know, got home from a race out there and, it's, you know, shock mounts have been ripped loose and different things, you know, because it's so rough. So it needed it really bad. I mean, I think it's going to change the, the style of racing and change a lot of different things and, you know, being smooth and, you know, cars going to be hooking up and faster and a lot of different things coming to play. But, um, you know, it needed it really bad. And I think it's going to be exciting. It's just going to be a change, a little bit of a change and, you know, faster racing and better racing, hopefully, and it should be a lot better for us out there. Now, transitioning over into talking about you personally, um, 
I got to say, every time I'm at a track as a fan and I see you pull out onto the track, I get excited because you bring a certain element to the race that not a lot of the other guys are willing to do. You don't, you don't mind getting your elbows out a little bit. You don't mind doing what you got to do to win. And I respect that so much as a fan because you really put on an entertaining show. But uh, have you had to deal with a lot of blowback for your driving style? Has anything made you want to change how you drive, dealing with some of the, the uh, critics in the crowd? Or are you pretty much well, uh, dialed in doing what you're doing? You know, I kind of, it's always been, you know, this is who I am and this is, you know, this is what I'm here for. We're, you know, I'm really competitive and we're here to win. And, you know, it's no fun riding third or fourth, you know, for me. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you know, you get with people and you get rubbing and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, some people, some people aren't big fans of it. You, you know, you can't take it too far. You can't be rough on people either, but, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting when you're in there and you're racing hard and sometimes you're trading a little bit of paint and, you know, I mean, some people aren't fans of it. I've caught a lot of backlash over it, but, uh, you know, I've, I've won a lot of races getting in there and, you know, and, and really racing with guys, you know, and, and I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, you know how it goes, you know, sometimes yeah, I have got a lot of backlash, but, you know, we try to have fun and try to race clean and, you know, try to be respectful to everybody and, um, just gotta, gotta, gotta keep on doing that. Just keep it clean and keep it respectful, you know? And, and, you know, you got, you got into this really young, um, I mean, you, you came up, your dad was a, a racer before you. And I know when I, when I first met you, you were racing a late model and I, I don't think you were even out of high school yet. So you, uh, you really came up in, in a tough class at, at some tough tracks and give us a little bit of uh, insight into your early days in racing. Yeah. So I, uh, started late models when I was 14, um, as like a limited late model out at Dixie, um, started that when I was 14 and raced, you know, five six years and then started you know getting into the super races and stuff like that um before that i raced uh you know when i was i think it was about 11 years old got into uh you know a four-cylinder car mustang at auto city speedway and uh that was like my first real race in, in race cars you know um before that it was all quarter midget stuff and uh grew up doing that since i've been four or five years old um my dad he raced before me and uh my grandpa actually my dad's father raced uh back in the 50s and 60s you know back in the auto city days and the dixie days back when it was dirt and uh i think he actually raced the first years they opened up but so it's been a, you know i'm third generation driver and it's just it's what we love to do and we do it as a family and go out and have some fun and you know just our thing it's really what we enjoy and you you got a couple little guys with you now too that you're looking to I see you're looking to break into the mini wedge ranks with. Yep, I got a, uh, I got two sons, Blake Childers Jr. and I got Cohen Childers, and uh, we're getting into the mini wedges. We're gonna have one one mini wedge is gonna be 33, just like my 33 car, and the other one's gonna be number 10 um, white with Wheeler stickers on it, just like the uh, number 10 Wheeler car that we're gonna be racing. So be kind of cool, have a mini wedge to match each supercar that we have, and. Um, kids are going to have some fun and bring them up into racing. I want to ask you about that uh, because we we have an opportunity to talk to a lot of racers who are well established, like you are, had a great um, maybe youth uh, youth into adulthood racing career, and uh, there are some parents who, and I think this is the same for a lot of us. We have a dream for our kids, and I'm talking to myself here too with with a little three year old at home. We have a dream for our kids as to what they'll they'll be. Talk to me about with with racing. 
trying to, you know, guide them, you know, into a sport that you love, but are you concerned at all or are you watching trying not to force them to be a part of this sport because we know how demanding this sport is, how competitive it is, and uh, you know it's it's a challenging sport. It's not for the faint of heart. Yep. So I gave them I gave them both the option. Um, I said, you guys want to you know they do basketball and they do soccer and baseball and all them sports. And I said, hey, do you, you guys ready to go racing? What do you guys want to do here? You guys want to play soccer or do you guys want to go racing? And they both <clears throat> they they're pumped. They want to go racing. And you know we work out in the garage together a couple nights a week, and they help me with the race car and. You know, we, we do things together out there. So when I gave them the option, they both said, hey, that's what we want to do. And uh, so that's that's what they're going to do. They're going to go have some fun. And then if a year yeah. or two from now, and if they don't like it or they want to do something different, you know, that's, that's you know, I'm not going to push them to do something they don't want to do. But as long as they want to do it, we're going to be doing it and having fun, you know. How, how did mom feel about that? Was mom on board all the way? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, funny. She, it's funny. She, she was on board with that. You know? Great. Uh, knows what kind of time it takes and all that too but um yeah it, it all went pretty good and, you know she's she's on the same page as me if you know whatever they want to do and as long as we can all do it and have fun and can physically get there and do it then we're going to be there and do it so it's funny uh looking at the uh, statistics that are available on my race pass which as we all know is not every racetrack so there may be some that are missing for you uh but consistent 2022 and 2021 eight events each season one win each season four top fives each season uh five top tens last year six top or excuse me five top tens in 2021 six top tens in 2022 those kind of spread out between corrigan owasso and a couple of birch run appearances there as well all of that to say I think more this year than in years past to get an opportunity to run your outlaw super late model, you are going to kind of have to spread the love a little bit uh, with we we've documented this on the show. There's one weekly and air quotes there weekly outlaw super late model track left in our state and that's flat rock. Um, and, and I say air quotes because they aren't running every week. So I guess your thoughts on that expand on that what that means for you and your team what your plans are for 2023 are you going to hit the road and try to support all of these one-off races at all these different tracks um are you sticking to just owasso's uh, four race series or, or kind of what's your plan yeah so um we're going to start off the year i don't know if we're going to go we're thinking about going over to kalamazoo um at the end of april and uh giving that a try and then after that we got planned um there's two races that at Dixie Speedway there. We're going to hit them for sure. Um, definitely going to be at the four at Owasso. Um, going to try to make it up to the Growler up there at a uh, um, way they're going to have that. And, uh, we, you know, try to go on to uh, Plymouth a little bit. Um, but really our main, our main focus is Owasso, of course. I mean, we got to be there and we got to be strong there and um, make sure the cars are, you know, ready to go and in one piece for there. But we're going to go to the other tracks and, you know, try to support these other tracks and, Corrigan, they got a Wednesday night show. We're going to go to that one. We got a pretty good little calendar made out. Um, I'm going to try to go hit, hit different tracks, you know, when we have the time and we're able to. So now I got to say, um, I'm surprised you have as much time to work on the car. It seems like following you on social media, it seems like you're always either stalking the Owasso Speedway uh, track truck <laughs> or you're at the casino. Where do you even find time to? Where do you find time to work on the car? Oh, well, late nights in the garage. We spent a lot, you know, I got a couple buddies that really helped me out a lot in the garage. And, um, you know, when we work on a car, we work long hours and late nights. And, uh, you know, then when we have a little bit of free time, I like, like going to the casino and doing that thing and having fun with the family. 
Um, but yeah, it just so happens. I don't know. I'm on the road a lot, um, every day. Um, you know, we got a family owned construction business and so I'm all over the road to get materials and doing this and doing that. It just happens. I'm always crossing the paths with the Owasso Speedway truck, whether I'm behind <laughs> them or see them sitting somewhere and it's crazy, but you know, it's fun. It makes it fun. I post it online and it gets people going and pumped up and keep it out there for everybody to see. So hopefully, it, you know, everybody comes out there and has some fun at Owasso Speedway. Now I do want to know, um, a little bit more like what the, what the plans are between the two cars you said you'll be in a wheeler trucking car this year um is that basically i mean does rex give you guys that car to use at your disposal or does he have a schedule lined out that he wants to see you you know run the car with his name on it so rex told me uh he said you know take the car we can go race it wherever we want we got his car to race and we got my car to race and uh, he said well whatever one's faster we're going to be racing more but the main the main focus and the main priority with his car is obviously Owasso Speedway we want to make sure that car is always there um, so we just got to be careful um, taking it you know like other tracks the week before and stuff like that we'd hate to tear it up somewhere else and not have it available um, to race there at Owasso but um, so, so mainly that car will be at Owasso and then you know other tracks when we can squeeze it in and fit it in but um luckily we got you know the both of them so if one if one breaks or one gets tore up we always have the other one to fall back on um so yeah it it having wheeler trucking on the side of your car is not new uh that 33 car has had that logo on there for you know uh, some time but kind of going back to what chris said at the top does being i mean this makes you essentially the owasso speedway house driver uh with with that wheeler trucking car it may not say owasso speedway on it but everybody knows the connection between rex and owasso speedway obviously does that change what you go out there and do during those races at owasso speedway knowing how much you're representing or is the goal between you and rex to go out there and uh bring back some of his money back into the team well we got to go out there and try to finish good but um of course, too, at the same time, he's got, you know, we got sponsors on the car and he's got people that he represents um, with his, you know, trucking company there. So we just got to go out there and make sure we have a good, you know, image out there for everybody. We can't, you know, there might be times where you, somebody might rub into you a little bit and stuff and you can't give it back to them just to, uh, you know, because of everything that's at stake and stuff there. So there's definitely a different set of rules and stuff that comes along with it. And uh, so we just got to, you know, pay attention to what we do and sometimes be the bigger, bigger man and, you know, just take care of everybody involved so that's the main thing just keep everybody happy um and have a good time with everybody out there and in mentioning rex uh we've we had a chance to talk with him we've talked with jeff Parrish, and you know obviously we, we talked with chris a little bit earlier in the show about everything that's going on at wasso speedway as a driver uh and, and as somebody who kind of works closely with rex I guess, you know, one of the one of the biggest questions right now for Owasso Speedway is sustainability of this great big plan that Rex has. I want to hear it from you as a driver and, and of course, as somebody who, who works closely with Rex, as I said. Um, is this the new future for Owasso Speedway? Is, is there any concern from you at all about uh, about what's next for Owasso? Or, uh, I mean, is it, are we all bought in and, and Rex is going to take care of this place for the long haul? I really think he's going to take care of it for the long haul. Um, I mean, you, you can't find a much better guy than Rex to deal with. You know, he's easy going. Um, he's got a good heart. He, you know, he's, he's just a really, really genuinely good guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a successful trucking company, and he takes care of business, and he does the right things. And, um, you know, he, he treats people right and, and everything all like that involved, you know. So I, I think he's going to be there for the long haul. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be, you know, one of the best tracks in the United States when he's done with it. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really cool. All the plans, you know, I've seen some of the plans and stuff that he has and 
it's really exciting. I mean, it gets you excited for not just this year, but for the next five or 10 years. I mean, it's going to be really, really awesome. So with, uh, with all that being said, Blake, um, where are we going to, you kind of touched on a little bit, but where are you, uh, kind of circling the calendar is what's going to be your first event once, uh, once the season breaks. First event I'm thinking is going to be the end of April. Um, over there at Kalamazoo. It's the name of the racer, but it's a hundred lap race. And that's what I'm thinking is going to be our first race. If we don't make it to that one, um, the first one's going to be at Dixie Speedway for sure. So I think that's the, uh, I think that's the Intimidator 100 over there, I think. Yep. Is yep. The Intimidator. One. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. yeah, we plan on going there first. If things don't work out for us or we don't make it, then, uh, you know, over there at Bertrand, that'll be our first race. Were you surprised yeah. to see that out of Kalamazoo and, you know, kind of Springport did the same thing and, uh, you know, Bertrand, these, Obviously, Corgan's in a little bit different boat this year with with their schedule redaction being so dramatic. But for the for the outlaw car, are you surprised at that here in in the state of Michigan that we don't have other than Flat Rock Speedway, which is a great facility and they're doing great things over there, um, a place to go on a weekly basis for for the outlaw car, or is that something that I mean, is the outlaw car a special car? Is it a specials only race car, and it should be treated as such? Yeah, I think it's just a specials only thing. I mean, you only got there's a lot of them in Michigan, but you only have so many to spread different places. And if, you know, I feel if too many tracks had weekly series of just outlaws, um, it's, you, I feel like you'd run into the problem of where's, where's who going to go. I mean, you'd only end up with, you know, so many cars at each place. And I feel like the, the racing's better, better competition when you got the, you know, these scheduled events and, you know, you got these big races out of Wausau, let's say, I mean, this, I have a feeling it's going to bring 30, 35 cars to these special shows, you know, and I think it just brings the competition up for each different track on them days. Well, uh, I got to tell you, Blake, it's been awesome to see everything going on at Owasso. And I'm not tying you to that racetrack. Obviously, you're going other places. Um, but I think that's where a lot of people are going to be excited to watch. Obviously, that Wheeler trucking car um, and see what you're able to do there. You've got a great winning record there, uh, and, and you've got the ability to race there. Where can people follow along with your racing adventures? Do you have a page dedicated to racing for, for Blake Childers, or, or how can people keep up with you? I do not. Right now, I just have my uh, my regular Facebook page, but um, I got another page in the works that we're working on. I'm going to get something going here for a little Childers Racing page, so Sweet. that'll be next, and uh, once I do come across that and make that, I'll post it out there for everybody to see and follow along. Good stuff. Well, Blake, man, uh, I appreciate you making some time to join us tonight. Thank you for that. Good luck this season, and uh, sounds like maybe we'll get a chance to cross paths with you somewhere down the line. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good night, okay? Well, that's going to bring us to the end of our show, and uh, if you've made it this far, stick around, because on the upcoming segment, which is coming up next, Chris, uh, excited to announce something that we're working on here at Horsepower Happenings. Uh, we're teaming up with the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame, uh, talked with Dave DeHem, and throughout the entire month of March, we are going to dub it uh, Michigan Motorsports History Month. So March is now Michigan Motorsports History Month, and all next month, Chris, we are going to dedicate one of our interviews. You know, we do two interviews a show. One of those interviews a show is going to be dedicated to a Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame member. And during the week, look for three to four stories or uh, column pieces about other Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame members. And uh, really, we're just trying to showcase the rich and deep motorsports history that we have here in Michigan 
what a great thing we have with the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. And so uh, Horsepower Happenings, Sweet Manufacturing on board with this as well for the uh, Horsepower Happenings, Sweet Manufacturing, Michigan Motorsports Month coming up in March. I know that racing history is, is very important to you, Chris. You're, you're <laughs> I said it at the top of the show, uh, you're kind of a, a historian of your own right. And um, I'm excited about this. You know, admittedly, I, I, I'm pretty weak on Michigan Motorsports history, to be honest. So I'm looking forward to diving in with both feet and really learning about what is truly a rich history for Michigan motorsports. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, we're the we're the motor state in Michigan. I mean, that's birthplace of the automobile. And just doing research for these stories I've been putting up for Owasso Speedway on, on owassospeedway.com, I have uncovered so much cool stuff in the state of Michigan. I mean, and that's just focused on Owasso Speedway. We have all these other tracks that are still around, some that we've lost over the years, that there is just so much history and so many great characters, and that's what they really are. They're not just people. These guys are characters that we could talk about and uh, really spend some some time on introducing to uh, a current audience. I want to say thanks to Sweet Manufacturing for jumping on board and helping us be able to do this. Look for more details coming up this week. Online, horsepowerhappenings.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Speaking of upcoming, we talked about earlier in the show, Northwest Florida Speedway. They'll be racing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. A lot of drivers going to be down there racing as well. World of Outlaw fans, your late models are back in action at Smoky Mountain Speedway on the 3rd and 4th. Sprint cars return to Volusia Speedway Park March 5th and 6th. And then, of course, uh, pavement late model fans, you're waiting patiently for March 4th, which is just next weekend, uh, Montgomery Speedway, Hunt the Bear, back in action, and uh, that'll get some late model fans fired up as well on the pavement. That's going to do it for uh, another episode of Horsepower Happenings. want to say thanks to Rich for uh, putting down his beer long enough to jump in earlier. Thanks to uh, Blake and Adam for being on the show, and of course, Chris, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to help us fill the seat of Rich France. You did a great job, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Well, thanks for having me. It was a a whole lot of fun. On behalf of Scott Menlin, who owns and operates the uh, Horsepower Happenings, I'm Zach Heiser, Heiser, inviting you to join us next week when Dave DeHem helps us kick off Michigan Motorsports History Month presented by Sweet Manufacturing right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.